Welcome back. It is season three of Howl History. I don't know what constitutes a season, Chad, but uh, it's like, whose line is it anyway, where the rules are made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> How you been lately? Uh, not too bad. Trying to kind of get caught back up with like what's going on with after my vacation. Yeah, after like a month and a half in Hawaii. It wasn't even that long, but on, on the one hand, it felt like it was a month. On the other hand, it felt like it was like, you know, 24 hours. <laughs> it, was, it was long enough to cause a season break in our podcast. So, <laughs> so that could have been 24 hours based on your rules. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I said, we're back, rising up, back on the street, did our time, took our chances. Uh, that is, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the song. It's, uh, you're going to get it. It's from Rocky. It is from Rocky. Eye of the Tiger. It is Eye of the Tiger. We are moving to 80s songs this season, my friend. We're going to make you name some 80s songs. We're moving out of the 90s. 80s are my jam, too. There we so. go. We'll, uh, we'll give you some good tests. We'll see how many of them you can name And this that's year. Uh, Survivor, right? Yes, that's Eye of the Tiger. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we're here to talk about the Timberwolves, in case you've forgotten. Uh, this is Howl history. The, the 22 and 22 Timberwolves, more than midway through the season, are looking like a strong playoff contender, winner six of that, out of their last eight. Chad, there's been a lot since we've talked, and even before that, we were only getting together uh, ever so ever so briefly. So what stood out to you lately? What, is anything on the top of your mind before we really dive into the, the meat of the episode today? I mean, I think like everyone, that I think we know our starters are legit. I mean, I think we've um, solved that problem. It's just kind of building up a consistency now with the bench. I think the only concern I would have with the five starters would be can Beverly be a long-term starter mm-hmm. at his age and playing the kind of heavy minutes he's been playing? Um, but like, it, there's really very little to complain about with the starting five. Um, so that that stood out, and then the emergence of guys like Jared Vanderbilt and Jalen Noel, who have proven that they like they've improved upon their weaknesses. Um, like in Vando's case, he was a negative on offense, and he I think now he's no longer a negative he might not be a plus but he's he doesn't hurt yet and I, I think some of that credit goes to finch by not you know it's it's my gripe that you and i when we talk about like you know jade mcdaniels my biggest gripe is the way they use them they just you know square peg round hole they just like nope if you're going to be on the floor you have to be a corner spot up shooter well that's not really Jaden's game but so it's not like Jaden's fault that he's not knocking down three or four three-pointers a game um, and he also doesn't get that many shots anyway. So it's like, how do you build up a rhythm? Um, but with Vando, they were kind of doing the same thing with Vando early in the season. And now they're like using them in, in cutting situations and, mm-hmm. you know, and credit to Vando where he's just, he's getting rebounds and, and putbacks that are allowing him to score more. And he's getting out in transition. And he's, you know, he's just so active. So, um, and then on Jalen Noel's side of things, again, I think Finch made some adjustments where I, he's like, okay, you're, you're kind of like a D-Lo type player where, you have a mid-range game, and if if the mid-range is going to help get you going so that you can hit a, a three-pointer in clutch situation for us, then go ahead. You know, you, you got the green light from mid-range as well. And so that's helped his game. So I, I like these little, you know, advances that Finch has sort of put with some of these players, and hopefully he can do the same thing for the other guys, you know, like Jaden McDaniels. I don't know, like guys like Beasley and Nas who have struggled, you know, at different points in the season. I don't know how much more that he can do for them because they, they're kind of getting the long leash that I kind of was hoping for, for guys like Jaden and, and Vando and Noel, like you can't really Beasley and Nas don't have as much to complain about their roles. They they've gotten large roles, Jalen and Jaden and um, haven't. And then Vando had a big role, but his role is strictly as a defender rebounder. Now he's starting to get a little bit of opportunities in offense. So 
I think those are the big takeaways I've had. You know, I missed some of those games while I was on vacation because of the time difference. Um, so you probably have some takeaways that maybe can, you know, defer a little bit from mine. But what what are yours? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, like you said, some guys have been given plenty of opportunity and just haven't done anything with it. Uh, I think we've reached the point of the season where I'd love to say, you know, Beasley's had 44 games to get himself into game shape, whatever that meant. You know, we we heard so many times at the beginning of the year how he just isn't in shape yet and he's got to work his way into it. He's got to keep shooting. And yeah, he's made 40% of his threes over the last six games. So it's been nice to see what their offense looks like when he is hitting at the clip that we expected him to coming into the year. That I mean, over the last eight games, they've been six and two. They're number one in offensive rating, number six in defensive rating number two in net rating, and even their half-court offense is number one in the league over those eight games. So, I mean, they've had hmm. they had blowouts against Oklahoma City and Houston. They, you know, they played Oklahoma City a second time. And then they've been, you know, the, the run lately has been a little bit tougher. You know, they got New Orleans, who was 500, 500 over the previous 20 games. Uh, Memphis, you know, they had won 10 in a row before they played us. And then uh, just the other night, or last night against New York, who is another 500 team. So, no world in Golden than State, and then the game against Golden State, but without you know many of their starters. So yeah, without Steph um, and Draymond. So the the schedule has looked a little bit different. It's been kind of either teams that we need to beat in order to maintain our status in the league, or teams that we were completely expected to lead, to beat to uh, to not you know to be a playoff contender. You know, teams like Oklahoma City and Houston, you have to beat those teams if you want any you know, any uh, sway in the league. So. Um, they've been playing really well, you know, especially in games against bottom feeders, which is great to see. It's it's a big step up for Minnesota, and um, they've also been doing well this year against teams in their tier, which uh, is not something that you've been able to say in the past. So they're playing Atlanta tonight, you know, second game of a back-to-back. Uh, as we speak, it is 24-13. to Ant looks to be playing really well in his homecoming to, uh, to Georgia, um, but we've seen him play well in the first half before and then disappear for the second half, so we'll see if they can get everybody going or if it's more of a a one, two, three, handoff, handoff, handoff between him, Cat, and and D'Lo, which has kind of seemed to be the the style that they've been going with lately for their offense. So, yeah, I mean, he, uh, you know, watching it's distracting because <laughs> whenever he, I mean, he gets so hot, and it's like that's the thing with him. It's you know, there'll be times where like you know, watching and he's got zero points in the first quarter and two in the second quarter, and you're like, okay, but he can get to twenty in a blink of an eye. It's yeah. like it's weird because it's is as exciting and as loud as some of his plays are, he can also become a kind of a quiet scorer. All of a sudden, like you look up and you're like, where'd, where'd that, all, you know, where'd all those points come from? You know, it's happened so many times, especially when I'm there because you got all this other stuff going on, yep. you know, that it's harder to kind of keep track of stats. Um, so like I'm constantly like looking up and like, whoa, like he was just at two. Now he's at 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like the other last night or two nights ago against the, the, the Warriors game, I think he only had nine or something in the game. Yep. I mean, he just never really got it going. And, and you know, maybe fourth quarter would have been his quarter, but they didn't play in the fourth quarter because we, we had the big lead. So, um, you know, but he's not a guy you worry about because, you know. No, he'll be he'll be ready the next night, even yeah, if he didn't yeah. get his the night before. So uh, that's not the concern. It's just a matter of do, when are we going to need Ant to play a complete game? You know, all four quarters of take over basketball if that's just what the defense is, is giving them he's very good he's gotten a lot better being more mature this year and saying they're double teaming me they're loading up on me I need you to get into the spot you know he told Noel that last night heading into the fourth quarter he's like hey the defense isn't letting me do what I was doing in the first half be ready you know I'm gonna get to the ball it's your time and Noel took it and he scored 11 points in that fourth quarter and he's been 
you know, a severe need for that second unit to actually be able to keep up with the with the starters in terms of providing value. But but it, you know, it would be nice to see Ant. I mean, just it would be fun to see Ant just take over for a full game, mm-hmm. even if it's not absolutely necessary for the success of the team. It would just that would be a fun game to watch. Well, like the Warriors game earlier this year when he had forty eight points. Right, you know, he was just dominant from start to finish. Um, yeah, those you know, he's one of those guys. Like because. And Cat can do that on any given night and does it a lot of nights. I mean, Cat's another one of those ones, kind of a quiet scorer. It's like, you know, you're like, well, the Wolves won this game and Ant and D'Lo didn't do anything. You're like, oh, Cat had 35 points, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and it's it, it's weird because as Minnesota fans, we become so accustomed to it that if he doesn't score 35, people will act as if he had a bad night. Yeah. You know, and he might, he might be, you know, six of nine with, you know, a handful of free throws and, and half of those shots being three-pointers and still score 18, 20, 20 two points or something and people act like he had an off game. Well, he just didn't, you know, think the ball a lot. And which has always been a frustrating part when they're losing because you're like, okay, there should be nobody on the team taking more shots than cat. He's our most efficient, best scorer on the team. But now we have enough guys that can kind of take that mantle where even if cat doesn't score 30, we're still winning games, you know, and that's another bright spot. I mean, I still think you can't, you can't go on a run if cat goes down and keep, you know, above 500 play, I just, you know, he's too much of the, the biggest factor on the team yet, but well, he uh, and Delo are also in a spot too, where you can't really trust whoever's behind them on the bench to step into that starting lineup and keep up, you know, even keep a replacement player level value there, you know, which yeah. is, which is impacts their plus minus so much. I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think you can really think that, do that with anybody on the, on the starting five, you know I mean? I think, I mean, he's, He's the most untradeable on the team, but I'd say Ant is the most easily replaceable in the in the starting five in terms of who we have on the roster. If you want to just keep a, a semblance of what they they had on the floor, yes. But do you really think Beasley's keeping up with? No, I, I mean I'd say Noel is probably at least offensively he's going to be able to give you. Yeah, but I, I yeah I mean I, I know what you're saying, but I think yeah. Nas does the same thing for Cat. I mean Nas is scoring roughly the same amount as Noel, and we're down on Nas, yeah. you know, for his defense and stuff. You know, I think. That's the difference between him and Jalen right now is Jalen isn't a negative on defense, you know, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of games he's a positive. I mean, there's games he is a negative in the sense that it's just matchup-wise because he's too small. Like uh, Warriors, he was just getting yeah. punished by Diallo. I mean, Diallo is just this physical, physical player. And um, But then last night when Finch didn't really trust D'Lo to be on either of the main wings for New York, either Fournier or Barrett, he trusted Noel to be in that spot. He did. I mean, he yeah. first he put Jaden out there to yep. ice him out. Jaden ices him, and then Noel came in and kept uh, Fournier from from scoring. You know, and kept the tough defense on him. And so, you know, and he made the Finch made the adjustments inside the last minute because Tibbs blew through all of his his uh, timeouts. And so Finch made the adjustment on defense. He would put mm-hmm. Jaden in, and on offense he put Noel back in. Um, and you know, it it worked. I mean, because. That last shot that Knicks had an opportunity to tie or go up in the, the end of the game, and I mean you're shooting this prayer of an arch shot over you know a seven foot four wingspan of Jane McDaniel. Yeah. So it's you know it's a nice luxury to have for a defender like that. Well, the Wolves are sitting at seventh in the Western Conference. They are one game behind Denver for sixth. Denver, they're dealing with all the injuries in the world, and they don't they don't have Porter Jr. They don't have uh, Murray back yet, but it's still a team that I would consider, you know, a, a good Jokic team. Is so he's good. so good. I mean, it's just he's probably better right now than his MVP year. Yeah, 
And, he has and, to do everything for that team, yeah. what he is. And they're and so bad when he's, I mean, yeah. it's just, I've, you know, I've grown so much more. I, he was already one of my top five favorite players in the league. And, it, like, he's, I just I have so much respect for that guy. So, I mean, even with all the injuries that they've been dealing with, I would not, the Timberwolves still haven't reached a point where I expect them to be better than Denver. Um, Dallas is right, right ahead of Denver. They've been on a roll lately. Um, that, that That's still a team that can go up and down, but Luka, once again, is just otherworldly, and he's been even better ever since coming back from his ankle injury. Porzingis has actually been pretty yep. decent you know, the last few weeks. So. So, so the top of the West, the top six is going to be tough to break into, but the Wolves are right there, and number six has to be their goal um, to avoid the play-in. But even when, even if looking at the play-in teams with seven, eight, nine, and ten, the Wolves are tied with the Lakers right now in terms of percent, you know, and but they have the tiebreaker, and then they're a half game ahead of the Clippers, and those are really the two teams that I feel like they need to avoid in a one-game play-in if we get to that point. Obviously, the goal is number six, but if we're going to be in the play-in, you want to be number seven, so those two teams have to play each other. And then after that, it's it's Portland, it's Sacramento, it's teams that are vastly underwhelmed right now, or overwhelmed by their opponents. Portland's winning a few games, but D'Lo's been, sh- or not D'Lo, uh, Damian Lillard's been shut down for a while to get healthy. It's just they've both of those teams are a mess right now, and there isn't anybody below them. San Antonio isn't even there right now. So if you can hold on to that seven spot, you have a significant advantage heading into those play-in games. And, yeah, we, we're going to keep shooting for number six all year, but uh, make LA the two L.A. teams kind of battle it out for, for eight and nine is my new goal, I say. Yeah, it's going to be one of those things where we're, like, excited to try in this play-in tournament just because we thought, oh, the Wolves are going to need that to have mm-hmm. a shot. Now we're like, probably the way I look at it, we're probably going to finish around seventh. Yeah. And you were like, dang it. I wish we didn't have a plan. I know <laughs> the one year that you don't want it to be a thing because the West is so down. I mean, I right. sitting at 22 and 22 coming into the year, if you told me that I'd been like, okay, that's, that's play in territory. You know, they're yep. 500 yep. in the Western conference. So they might need, you know, they, they might still be sitting at nine or 10 needing a, a play in game to, to work their way in. But yeah, if they're sitting at seven and they actually have a legit legitimate shot at bumping up into that top six, it's a, uh, it's the year to do it. And, you know, if, if we're looking at the the salaries moving forward and what this team is, how this team is constructed and what, you know, we would choose to do with it, uh, I think we really need to take that into consideration. The state of the West, is this something that we think is going to be permanent? Do we think the West is down a little bit from what it's been? Or do we think this is a one-year blip and Kawhi is coming back and Jamal Murray is coming back and all of a sudden the West is going to be just as good as it ever was next year and being a 500 team is no longer acceptable you know so um you know just high level thoughts what do you what do you think moving forward for the western conference in terms of competitiveness and and expectations for this team yeah i mean i still think the west is is tougher i mean i think the records in the east like they're talking last night about like the next i mean you know i I saw your tweet where you talked about like the talent you know somebody had tweeted about the we have more talent Mm mm-hmm um, so we we have to win that game, and you know, and I, I agree. I think we do have more talent than the Knicks, even when they're at full strength. Um, but I also think we have younger talent, so we don't have the experience. We don't have the Derrick Roses of the world that know how to win games in, in tight situations. We're getting there, and we've done a much better job lately. Um, but I guess that's a long-winded way of saying it. I think in the on the East, they're sure they have teams that have better records in the West, but they're playing against other Eastern Conference teams. I still think the West is a tougher place to play. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the Lakers, yeah, the Lakers aren't what people thought the Lakers were going to be. They're still a tough team to play on any given night. Like, you never know what LeBron's going to show up or what Anthony Davis is going to show up. You know, they're, they're still tough. You know, we have to play them four times a year. You know, nobody in the East has to play them that many times. Um, obviously, then you have, like, the teams at the top, Utah, 
you know, Phoenix, um, Golden State, you know, those teams are all killers. I mean, so um, the East has a couple of those, like, but outside of those, you know, outside of like Milwaukee, I mean, Brooklyn's been having problems with health. So like, they're, they're kind of like a, a better version of the Lakers because yeah. you don't, you know, you don't know what version of them you're going to get. Um, but I mean, Milwaukee's really the only team that I'd say is as good as those top three teams in the West. You know, so maybe, maybe the West is more top heavy than it's been in the past. It's, it's still going to be a tough conference to, to get a playoff spot, I think, for the next several years yet, you know, because I mean, the Lakers will be the first team probably to fall out of that top eight just based on their age. But they're also in a big market, a desirable team that they'll they'll retool so quickly that they'll I still find find it hard to believe that they won't be relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, even if this version of that roster isn't intact in two years or whatever. So I, I don't think the Wolves can kind of look at it and say, oh, well, we're, we're finally over the West being the dominant conference I, I think it's still going to be the west for for a while now yeah and i think you know there are lots of things to take into consideration it's, it's what we just talked about is the strength of the west it's and, and every conversation i've been in when is when you know when we've discussed should the timberwolves make a trade this year should we go for it at the trade deadline would you trade this guy for that guy would you do this and that would you trade a first round pick i think the answer is always unfortunately like it depends on how good the team is and if you think that's good enough. If you think this core three is good enough, then you get more aggressive in what you're going for. If if there's any idea in your mind or if there's any doubt that this is where you're going, that this is the team that you've assembled and what you need to actually be competitive and it's not just rounding out the edges, then you then you need to take a step back a little bit and be a little bit more cautious. So um but I think you know, I think those those conversations all lead to the Timberwolves finances finances which is tough and it's not the most exciting conversation but there are actually so many inflection points coming up over the next three years in terms of how they're going to build this team and what decisions they're going to make that are going to directly impact what they do this year and what they do for the next couple years because can you take if you're going to make a trade can you take on a guy that has a salary longer than two years and that's dependent on are you going to even have space under the luxury tax to take that player in to, to be on the roster? So, so I went through and I took a look at what the Timberwolves salaries are this year and moving forward. Uh, we can do a little bit of guesswork, talk through what some of the decisions they might make, what, what decisions we might make in terms of extensions, um, and then just see where that leaves the Timberwolves. Uh, and the, the first big decision that they're going to have to make is, this year is um, the Patrick Beverly extension. And I think we've both been on the record for saying that we love Bev. We want, you know, we want him back. We want him to stick around. Um, I think I've seen a couple reports saying that people would predict that with the lack of cap space available in the league, if the Timberwolves wanted to bring him back at a full mid-level number, right around $10 million a year, that that might do it. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that would that would be a, a decent enough number for him, or do you think that would... That's right on the edge for me. I mean, it'd be hard for me to go over 10, mm-hmm. um, but it's also hard to imagine a him, guy at yeah. his level being less than 10. Right. Because um, he's still obviously extremely effective so um, especially when you have guys like Jalen and Wally Merchant that can maybe kind of play that combo guard spot for us and maybe we don't need to invest in him but I mean he, he the intangibles that Beverly brings are so important to this team as well that it, you know if, if we can get him at 10 million I probably would do it lock him up another three years um, which would take him into the twilight of his career mm-hmm. um, in terms of like his style of play he's not gonna be able to do he's not he's not gonna be uh Vince Carter and playing until he's in his early forties <laughs> with the, his right. style of play. Um, so yeah, I, I push come to shove right now. I mean, at 10 million, I think you have to take, keep him. 
Yeah, I think you need to. You can at least bring him back for another two years at that ten million. If, if you want to give him a third year, um, I'd be trying to pull. You know, a contract similar to what the Wolves do a lot and, and push for that play a team option in year three. But, um, but yeah, I th- I, I agree with you. I, I think ten million is a good number, especially for like you said the intangibles that he brings and the the culture that he's set here. It's, especially if you could fill in that starting spot with somebody who fills that same type of role, but is more reliable health-wise, is younger, is maybe a little bit bigger than Bev is, um, and have him kind of be the, you know, fill more of that backup point guard gap that right. we are missing so much right now. So, And uh, maybe Jalen can develop into that. He, uh, he might. Start. Yep. Um, whether Jalen becomes a fifth starter or... Uh, Jaden or whoever, yep. yeah. Uh, so they, they have options internally. Um, you know, we'll, we'll discuss trade candidates later in terms of who we might target for some of these roles, but... But Bev is a big decision for next year uh, because the only other expiring contracts on the team are Torian Prince, who I don't feel like anybody would really miss that significantly uh, if they didn't make any moves and they just let him expire. And then uh, Jake Lehman and Josh Akogi. And Akogi, he's a uh, restricted free agent. He's been on the team for you know four years. He's the second longest tenure Timberwolf behind Carl Anthony Towns. It's he's a guy that's nice to have right now in you know break glass in case of emergency type type ways he also fits in really well with the defensive culture they've been trying to set up in terms of we've got Jaden and Jalen and Vando and Bev and you're not Jalen <laughs> Jaden and Bev and Vando and Okogi to throw at you as defenders you know if we just need to have a grit and grind you know defensive battle to win a basketball game they've got guys that can, they can throw out there I don't know about you I don't if if Okogi found a restricted offer in the upcoming year um or in the upcoming offseason that pulled him away from Minnesota. I don't know if it changes my view on the team's prospects for next year that much. No, I, me either. And I, I mean, it's, it pains me to say it because I really like Okogi. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of like our first Jalen or Jaden guy that we were sort of excited about. Um, but we, even then we knew he was, he's more limited than either of those guys on offense. And I think that is the rub with him. And, you know, I think he's one of those guys that, we if we lose him and he goes to the right team, mm-hmm. we're gonna be like, why didn't we keep? You know, if right. he went to like the Warriors, I think he'd also become more valuable because they don't they have so many scores. He can kind of play that Draymond Green role for them, and I think he'd be good at that. Or if he went to the Grizzlies, he would be you know when the Grizzlies fans got Jarrett Culver for Beverly, <laughs> you saw the Grizzlies fans talking about what Culver right. was gonna do there. Okogi would do those things for Memphis, I think. Um, so there are teams there where I think Okogi would just thrive. Yeah. And unfortunately for the Wolves right now, we got so many wings that he's sort of buried. And so, yeah, if, to me, that that's one of the candidates of even you know looking for a move at the deadline this year that I would even kind of float because he isn't as crucial as some of these other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's the good thing about all of our experience. It's not like in the last couple of years, our expiring deals were guys that were playing, playing meaningful minutes. Even James Johnson down the stretch after we got him was, he was kind of a big deal for the team. And then in the off season, they traded him. So it didn't like necessarily hurt that new season, but it would have been, you know, kind of interesting to see what that team would have been like if they kept James Johnson wrong. Cause right. that was the position we needed help at. Um, I mean, not that I'm complaining cause we got R- Ricky for that, but um, it's yeah. So I'm with you. I mean, Okogie's, his roles, he's just being squeezed out. Now things could change. If Beasley's moved for a big or something like that, then all of a sudden, you know, you need a guy that can kind of play yep. he's wing. Cl- and he's closer to that nine-man rotation. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and if it, one of the guys we'll probably talk about, like Harrison Barnes type, where he can come in as a big and kind of pick up the the slack that we'll miss with Beasley as a three point shooter, then having Okogi as another defender on the floor is not necessarily a bad fit. Right. Um, Okogi kind of got squeezed team. by the surprising success of our defense this year. We came into the right. league expecting him to have a role because we had so many scores. You needed Okogi to be out there to balance out the team. And then the team's defense carried them for so long, especially with the emergence of Pat Bev and, and Vando, that Akogi was no longer a crucial part to the bench. It was, we need guys that can put the ball in the basket because our offense isn't holding up their end of the bargain. So, uh, you know, offensive players have been given more chances than defensive players, especially off the bench. When you look at Nas, you look at all the minutes Beasley's gotten, all the chances that he's received. I know they've got a ton, ton of money invested in him, but, uh, you know, they've needed to find offense there, and Okogi just isn't a guy that's been able to provide that. So, um, so I mean, he's probably the the hardest one to say goodbye to. Um, and then in terms of actually setting up our salary cap for next year, the only other decision that they really have to make is that uh, everybody's newfound uh, sixth man of the year, Jalen Noel, he has a team option for next year at the minimum, or at uh, $1.9 essentially. Uh, you know, part of that, uh, Rosa scooped a special when they signed him and Nas to those four-year deals with the, the multiple team options. Um, the Timberwolves do have the option to decline that, uh, or the availability to decline that option, make him a restricted free agent this year, and kind of give him the the Vando treatment, try to bring him back for a more reasonable amount next year. Um, whereas if they were to accept that, that number and bring him back at a lower salary next year uh, to try to keep the cap sheet as low as possible, then he will be unrestricted the year after. So... Um, that's a decision the team's going to have to make in terms of do we want to pay him, you know, double to triple next year, what he would be making in terms of hoping to lock him up long term, or do we want to maximize our, our flexibility heading into next year and then just hope that we can re-sign him after that? I don't know if you have feelings on that one, you know, or if you put a ton of thought into it yet as to what you would do. I haven't put any thought yet. I mean, I think it kind of depends if what kind of move they might do on the deadline, because um, if they bring in a guy that is going to eat up some salary next year mm-hmm. at the expense of Prince or Kogi or Lehman, well, some one of those expiring, then then I probably would just use the team option and hope we could get keep them the following year. But uh, I mean, let's be honest, the Jalen run has been relatively brief, you know. So I don't know how much we know yep. yet, you know. I mean, it's you know, it's it's looking encouraging, but we've been here before, right? Yeah, we've seen guys have so. a good month before before they kind of disappeared. Um, so yeah, I think we all want to see him play better. But for now, we're going to assume that they bring him back next year at the low number. It provides the team with the most flexibility, and then they can have contract discussions, you know, the year after. So they bring him back to the one point nine. That would leave Minnesota twenty eight million dollars underneath the luxury tax next year, underneath an, an assumed luxury tax or estimated luxury tax, wherever that'll fall, um, with eleven players. So I think if we're going to have conversations about trades and bringing on salary or using Torian Prince's salary to bring on a guy with a longer deal. They'd have the availability to do that at least into next year. They could bring somebody on for this year and next year and not, you know, really feel the financial ramifications of that. Um, It's the year after that's going to, to come into play because right now, as it stands, even with Nas and Noel uh, expiring, um, they don't have really have anybody else coming off the books. And that's the year when D'Lo is going to need a new contract. So they would be, you know, $31 million under the, the luxury tax, you know, heading into the 2023 season, but that's only with uh, 10 players. So um, they're starting to hit a, you know, a tighter point. It's not 
dire yet, but that's also going to depend on what you end up paying DLO. So um, let's have a brief discussion about what you think DLO is worth and is going to be moving forward, especially with the way he's been playing for this team and uh, what type of contract you'd like to bring him back at. I'm getting to the point where the only thing I'm worried about with Delo now is just his availability because he's been one of the most important guys on the floor all season. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just, and it's just, his role is just becoming increasingly more valuable as we go. But you know, here we are watching this Atlanta game and he's just coming back in as we speak. So I was worried about him because they showed him walking into the tunnel in in the first quarter and now he's come back. So, but he's been so brilliant. Um, the last few games, his passing's on point. I mean, he's and nice passing. Um, that it's you know it's hard to uh, imagine this team without him right now. And so you know, obviously you would love to get him for less than the max, but can you? I don't know. Like, are you going to make him mad? Are you going to offend him if you if you make a, a lower ball offer? I, you know, it would be great if we could get him at like the Zach Levine deal that Chicago got Levine for um, a couple years ago. That's the one that's about to expire, ago. yeah. Yeah, you know, for D'Lo, and, and it, you know, it'd be great if D'Lo accepted that, but it's going to be interesting because this could be like KG Marbury Part 2 because if Cat gets the Supermax this year and D'Lo saying, hey, I'm just as important to this franchise as Cat is, mm-hmm. you know, what happens there? Um, and I think those two are more looking out for each other than they are down the road for what Ant's deal might look like. So, you know, it's, uh, it does get interesting pretty quick it does you know i I was having a, a twitter conversation with t will's blog earlier today and you know i predicted that if i were to pull up my crystal ball and try to see into the future i could easily see the team you know and dilo coming to an agreement for a you know a three-year 90 million dollar extension which keeps them right around that 30 million dollars a year number but it's not the the 39 million dollar you know max contract for a player of his years um it's also not asking him to t- to take a, really a pay cut. It's just kind of stick around for a couple of years and, you know, be one of the highest paid point guards in the league, but not necessarily a guy that's going to cripple our tax situation or our cap situation. I don't know. I I don't know him. I don't know what he's hoping for coming in. It, it seems like a deal that um, makes sense to me in terms of what I've seen over the in the past, in terms of teams having negotiations with guys that aren't necessarily max guys. There always seems to be some wiggle room, a way to find a, a nice middle ground, especially for a deal that isn't four or five years long. Um, so I, the, the interesting thing with D'Lo, I think is like, I don't think he's going to get paid by anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, as that's much the thing. As, there's no uh, cap space out there. The are, yeah. Well, there's no cap space and there's not a market for him. Like, I don't think anybody's going to say anybody that could clear enough space is going to say, okay, we're going to start with D'Lo and build around him. Like he's just not that guy. Yep. Um, and so it gets weird for him because we could um, kind of roll with w- what we have, and you know, for the for another couple of years, and he could get paid a decent amount, as much as he could get anywhere else, and be happy. You know. Um, so I, it's hard to put a, a price on. I mean, he's so. I don't. I I think this team is you know four or five games below five hundred right now, if not more, without him right now. Maybe six or seven games below five hundred. Right. I absolutely agree about that. A, a small part of that is what they have behind him and the the lack of talent and the. It uh, is, but it's it, it, the the more than any other player on the team about the guys behind him. It's because when he comes in with the second unit, he's the only one that really makes that second unit tick. Yeah. 
when it's Ant in the second unit, it's not very good. When it's Cat in the second unit, it's not very good. Like, he is the guy um, that I, I just, you know, he's he's the star that's, or the straw that stirs the drink. I just think we, he's become more valuable than I think that any of us could have anticipated this year. And you know, we're talking about trading for Simmons. Like, at this point, he becomes the most untradeable guy in a Ben Simmons deal, I think. Outside, of, I mean, obviously, Ant Cat aren't on the table. But sure, I mean he's at the he's beginning, third season, on the team in terms of untradeability, which he is. If you want to start putting salaries together, effectiveness, yeah. yeah, he's probably more effective than Ant. Right, so. yeah, and I think absolutely, I agree. In terms of leading to winning, he's been more impactful this year. And if you want to look at the advanced stats, the plus minus, the on off, whatever it happens to be, he's impacted the players around him, especially more than Ant has. Um, we we would never consider including Ant in a in a trade for really anybody in the league. We're just not at this space to do that. I mean, if we were if we were third in the Western Conference and we and we felt like if we got a I don't know an Anthony Davis, you know, we'd be a clear title favorite. And they want to discuss Anthony Edwards. Maybe it's a different conversation. I still don't think it is because he's not the type of player you yeah, that teams trade. But we're not there. I mean, we're twenty two and twenty two. You're not trading away your future for. You know, I mean, if we were better to win now, if we were in the second seed right now, I wouldn't trade Ant for Anthony Davis. Sure. I mean, it's like Anthony Davis is. I mean, I know he's just one example, but yeah. he's just like the guy is out more than he's on. And right, I mean, I'm thinking Anthony I mean, Davis a few years ago when he went to to LA, sure, you know, that type of deal. Yeah, you know? when he was the best player in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one of the top two or three. So I mean, it's just it's tough with D'Lo because I, like you said, I don't think he's a max player. I don't think there's anybody else that's going to give him a max. So really getting one from Minnesota would just be a, you've proven your value here and we're going to reward you for it type deal. But I think Minnesota, they still need to be smarter than that. I don't think we just need to be rewarding guys for, for longevity or for the for 500 record. Right. And... <laughs> so if they could get to the yeah, point, no, I agree. Yeah, if they could get to the point where they find a middle ground. And like I said, I put that at 30 million, which is still a huge number. And it's still something they're going to have to, to reckon with when the years come up is, uh, is right there. And the, you know, the last thing that I considered when taking a look at it is something that we're going to talk about when we look at the, the bigger numbers moving forward is the league has a new bargain, uh, bargaining session coming up for their television contract. And I was reading an article on Forbes today talking about how it could lead to another cap spike, the same, similar to the one that brought in brought Kevin Durant to the the Golden State Warriors. And that, if unless the players union agrees to you know soften the blow or soften the the increases, which they didn't last time, they wanted the spike, it could lead to a fifty million dollar increase in the cap in one year, and that would come in in the year mm-hmm. of twenty twenty five. So if if we were having negotiations with D'Lo for uh, an extension. Um, I could easily, especially in this upcoming off season, I could easily see him or see the team or him using that as a bargaining chip saying, I want to be, have an expiring contract in 2025. So I'll take a little bit less right now. Or the team saying, we'll give you a little bit more right now, as long as that contract lasts a little bit longer, goes into the new cap spike. So we have more flexibility, whatever it happens to be. Like I could see mm-hmm. that becoming a negotiating, a part of the negotiations, if Minnesota can have D'Lo at thirty million once a cap spike hits, that that would be a great number, you know. Yeah, um, right. But if D'Lo wants to say like, you know what, I'll accept twenty eight million, I'll accept thirty million, you know, less than the max to stick around, but I want a player option in the year twenty twenty five, whatever that looks like, because that's what he's looking for. He wants to maximize his next contract. Then I could see that coming in too. And it's not something that we we can really predict right now or understand where that's going to go. Um, 
but it is something that I think will come into start coming into negotiations between teams and players as early as this upcoming offseason. Yeah, and I think the other sort of uh, worrisome thing was the fact of how focused on the contract Dilo was before the season even started. Mm-hmm. That tells me he's he's got an eye on the another max deal. Right. Um, so I don't think he's going to be happy taking less. You know, right now I don't think that's where his mindset's at. I, you know, but on the flip side, kind of to your point, he might be willing to do a max at the current level and do it for five years. Maybe the Wolves right. are thinking. Maybe that would be okay because then now we have him for two extra years mm-hmm. into the new cap deal. And Dilo might be okay with that the way Dilo was also talking about having some stability and not having to be looking over your shoulder for another contract right away. Uh, you know, if you remember when LeBron was doing these one year deals and stuff to kind of get to that big yep. agency period, there was like guys like Carmelo who were taking the stability. Right. Um, Dilo fits more that Carmelo sort of role than he does a LeBron role because Dilo isn't going to have a a market chasing him for, for more, you know? Yep. Um, so, you know, maybe that does play into, it. I mean, it's just, I, the problem is, is if you lose, if you lose D'Lo, like you're not going to give up ant or cat. I don't think the wolves are doing that unless they're blowing things up. Mm-hmm. And so if you lose D'Lo, you might be forced to blow it. Cause how you're not, replacing how are you replace him? right. That's a big yeah. question. So you got to keep them around. And for 2022 and 2023, I don't think that necessarily impacts their team building ability. I mean, it does. I mean, $8 million or whatever it is, especially in 2023, makes a difference in terms of who you can approach, who you can go after. But you're not going to have cap space. It's going to be space on the larger tax. And I think you can assemble a team as long as you trust these three to big to be your big three. 2024 is the one year that they're going to have to get through because that's going to be the year that Delo's on his new contract. Cat is going to be up for an extension. Ant is going to be up for the first year of an extension. And if Jaden McDaniels improves, if he gets to a point that we're hoping he can get to, he's going to be up for a new, a new contract as well. So, I mean, if, if I'm just taking assumptions here, I think the easiest one is that Ant's going to get, you know, the full rookie max, the 25%. Um, so if we're looking at, you know, a, a cap around 130 million, that'll put Ant at 32.5 million his first year. Um, D'Lo, you know, somewhere between 30 and, you know, I have him written down as 30, uh, hoping he'd take a number like that. If he bumps up to 38, that's an extra, you know, 39, that's an extra eight, nine million. That's out the window. Um, and then the big question for Cat, you know, I, we can talk about Jaden and what he's going to look like, but I think that's all, you know, hyperbolic right now. And the best comp I could come up for him was Mikhail Bridges in Phoenix. And that's going to take Minnesota being actually being a really good team in order to get that level of credit. But he signed for about 20 million yeah. a year. Well, and I'm so, and you and I go back and forth also all the time, which is we're probably not as far off on Jaden as we maybe talk when yeah. we're texting, or because you're you tend to get more frustrated with him than I do. Um, but I actually was thinking he might be more in the lines of a Torian Prince type contract. I just I think maybe my expectation for for Jaden isn't as high as maybe some people's expectation got. Sure. Even though I'm like super bullish on him, I don't. I always said like the ceiling for him would be like an Andre Karolinko type player. And would an Andre Karolinko type player be a max player today? I don't know that he would because he's not a 25 point per game guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Jane would be a slightly lower offensive player even than Karolinko. Yep. Um, but he would have the uh, flexibility and stuff on defense that Karolinko had and, you know, be the presence there. Um, so I think if you could get him at a $13 million deal, right. On his next deal. Yep. Then you're, you know, I mean, look, we have the room to have three max players right now. If Ant was a third guy, like if we get, if we just dumped Prince yep. and Beasley, yeah, we you could, could have your three max players yep. and have your role players. So, 
you know, there's definitely room around that. So you, you, what you're banking on, and I, I know this is what you're really getting to the root of, is then you're banking that those three guys are enough with, and, and our supporting cast is enough to be better than a 500 team. Um, and that's really the, you know, kind of yeah. question, like, are, are we going to be enough, you know? So I think if we average it out, I mean, I like I said, I had D'Lo at 30, and he could go all the way up to 39. I had Jaden at 20 as a high end, and he could go all the way down to, you know, 13, something like that. So if we if we estimated... Or even lower. I mean, or even lower. I mean, if we estimated 41, 42 combined for the two of them, you know, they're not even 41, like 50 um, for the two of them. I mean, that, that gets them somewhere in, in that range. You know, D'Lo could go up, Jaden could go down... Um, but I think that's, but what's that's, Vando going to cost? But at that point, Vando's expired. He's going to need a new contract, and, so, and we're not even to him yet because now we got to talk about Cat. And if he if he gets third team All NBA before his contract negotiations, he's going to be eligible for the supermax, and that brings his max salary up from thirty nine to forty five point five in the first year of a five year deal. And if that happens, and you've got D'Lo and Jaden combined for fifty, you've got Ant at thirty two five. You've got twenty three million dollars left for the rest of your roster. Under and Vandal's probably going to cost you all of that. Because to me, Vandal's the Mikael Bridges contract. Maybe, yeah. You, so you know, if if the team is winning at that point, I mean, you're you're having a top five defensive player, a top three rebounder, <laughs> and a guy that is in, is improving on offense. What if he becomes a uh, you know a twelve point per game mm-hmm. guy on top of all that? You know. Yeah, and I mean at this point. Even if it, even if it's only ten, even if he's a, largely the same player, and it's ten million dollars a year instead of four point three, it's you've only got thirteen point thirteen and a half million dollars left for the other nine or ten guys on your roster to stay under luxury tax. So that's why I say like that's the year they're going to need to get through. And if they can, what I don't want to see to see them do is pull an Oklahoma City. You know, when they traded away James Harden because they didn't feel like they could take the luxury tax even one year before they could get through, you know, an, an increased uh, salary cap. If, if they had just held on to James Harden, I think that's pretty much been proven that they would have been able to keep all their guys and only paid the tax once. And they wouldn't have, have had to pay any repeater penalty. They wouldn't have had to really shell out significantly at all. But they were so afraid of that tax that they traded away James Harden before they had to pay him. And... Minnesota's in a spot similarly right now where if they want to keep these three guys, they might have to pay the tax once. And with the cap spike hopefully coming in 2025, it would only be once. You know, then you, you're back under and then you can use that money wisely and you can get back to a good and point. I, I think they'll be okay. I mean, did they do it last year anyway? Yeah, they paid the they paid the tax slightly last year. So you don't want to pay it enough that you get into a repeater tax because I think that's yeah. crippling for almost any right. owner. Um but one year, but if I, they can manage it successfully, is is fine. So, um, yeah, at that point, you're winning more games than you did last year, and they were, you know, I, I get, get it. That was in the middle of a year where they're you're selling the team and yeah. everything else. But still, I think the new owners, they're, you know, they're going to be looking to, you know, uh, warm themselves to the the fan base here as they try to get a new arena and everything else. So they're not going to go, you know, pull yeah. ads on it. And they're say, not going to break it down, <laughs> right? Yeah, we're we're not going to spend any money until we have a new stadium Mm -hmm. you know they they got the players already they just need to you know add to it not uh go the reverse absolutely so i i think i don't know the more i look at it the conclusion i'm taking is that team building wise into the future and maybe they're way off on the on the cap spike maybe they do soften it maybe it's a 15 million dollar jump instead of a 50 million dollar jump in which case 
things are still fairly tight with the numbers that we're throwing out there, but um, I don't, I'm less worried about their available money into the future, even, you know, in taking on salary and trades or putting together this big three, whatever that looks like, than I was before putting everything together, if that makes sense. I don't, I really don't think there's anything they can do to avoid the luxury tax in 2024. And if that's their goal, I think it's going to cripple the team. So, um, if they want to keep moving forward, if they want to keep winning, and D'Lo's not going to accept a $20 million a year offer, which we'd both be shocked if he did, I think it's just kind mm-hmm. of move forward as as planned, pay one big tax bill, and then figure it out from there. So, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Any differing opinions? No, I no, I agree 100%. And I think that's where, you know, like I mentioned on some of these trade rumors that are out there, that I to me, I don't give up any more picks and trades unless it's for a significant difference maker. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, some of the guys that are rumored out there, I like I'd pass on because I, you know, I mean, yeah, if it's Ben Simmons, I'd give up picks if I'm not giving up D'Lo, Ant and Cat. Right. But if I'm giving up D'Lo, Ant, D'Lo or Ant, oh, and you're not giving up anybody else. If you're giving <laughs> up D'Lo in the deal and you're giving up Jaden in the deal, so I'm not giving them any picks. Yeah. I don't, like at this point, Roxanne, I right. really don't care. Yeah. I mean, it, like, um, and so, and if I'm giving up D'Lo, I don't know that we're better. I think Ben Simmons by himself is a better player, but swapping them on this roster is that make the Wolves a significantly better team than they are now, or even a marginally better team? I don't, I don't know, maybe marginally better, but I don't think you can look at that and say, yeah, we're a significantly better team. So I would rather just keep the three we have, trade some of the pieces that we're not using, and try to kind of round out that bench because that that's kind of where the holes are yeah i I agree there i i'm not focused on simmons anymore i think that's at this point in the year i mean with all the quotes that finch has been able to put up with put out lately and the questions he's been asked about you know the value of having those 30 games last year and being able to build relationships and take a look at what he wants to to put into his team i mean he he said most coaches that come in for their first year in the league they need to take the first half of a year to really even see what they have before they can start implementing anything. And he got the value and the added you know, benefit of being able to do that during the second half of last year so that he could really use the offseason to start implementing things, to start putting together a system that was going to best suit his players. If you go and make a Ben Simmons trade right now, I, I have a lot of faith in Chris Finch, but I don't know if this team is going to be able to completely shift their identity quick enough to make it worth it for this year. And... You know, I yeah, Simmons has a longer contract than D'Lo, so you've got more time. But I, that's, I mean, it's tough. I, I don't see that as a as a panacea. The way that we did, you know, during the off season and, and bringing in one guy that's going to sh- change everything. The only other guy that you know that we've talked about that's even been a possibility that could be, you know, a swing for the fences type move is Miles Turner, um, as somebody that could come in in, the, in that power forward role and I think there are there are two things I've changed about that first is Vando's play I don't think we're at a point anymore where we see the need for a starting power forward to be the ultimate swing for the fences move on this team um, because I don't moving Vando back to the bench is not going to give you the same benefit in just reduced minutes so um, it's his fit with the starters that makes him so valuable right now but also i mean miles turner is out with a a stress reaction in his foot for at least two weeks and most likely past the trade deadline so if you want to make a trade for him now you're not getting him for the immediate future and you're hoping it doesn't become a a foot thing for a big guy and i don't i wouldn't trade future 
assets right now for a guy that you can't trust to be healthy this season or even into the future. So I think I would scratch him off the list. I don't know about you, but. I wouldn't necessarily scratch him off the list. I would take him off. I wouldn't add any draft picks to him, and I wouldn't have done that even with a healthy foot, to be sure. honest. And I love Miles Turner. But I just, again, I think we're in a spot where, you know, what is a Miles Turner add to this team that we don't already have? You know, and what are we going to do in a year or two years when we have no first-round picks and we're going to lose one of those four guys in between Ant and D'Lo and Cat mm-hmm. and T- Turner and just to pay – you know, pay Ant, pay Vandal, pay Jaden, and you're going to lose one of those guys. And, like, how, how do you replace them when you don't have any first-round picks? Like, you're going to replace them with minimum-level yeah. contract guys, and that's a disaster. Like, that just makes you – that then you're taking a step back from where you are this year, let alone – that. And two years down the road, you're taking a step back from where you are this year unless Ant becomes, you know, a top-three player in the league. Cat, you know, stays at the level he's at. And D'Lo says at the level he's playing at right now, not even for the whole season, but like the last, you know, eight to 10 games or whatever. So um, it's just, I think it's a lot to give up. Yeah. Turner's not on a bad deal right now. His, his current number would fit in pretty well, but he's going to be another guy that needs a new contract. And that's just not a negotiation that the team needs to be worried about. So I think that, you know, I, I haven't been able to think of anybody else that would be a, I don't know, that would even really be a starter on this team. If you're going to bring in a guard to start, if you're going to move Pat Bev back to the bench, you need somebody that fills that same role that he does, that is able to be that defensive role player next to the big three, which, you know, even Finch has talked about it. Like, I've got three three go-to guys and, you know, two guys that get in the dirt and do everything else, and that mix just works really well. So if you're going to move Pat Bev back, back to the bench, which I think is his optimal role you you still need a guy of his ilk in that starting lineup and the only name i've been able to come up with is marcus smart i know that boston is you know struggling in that play in range again this year um, they haven't been as good as expected um, i don't know if that means that marcus smart would be available i'm not going to go out on a limb and say we could even predict what we'd have to trade for marcus smart because i haven't done enough research i haven't looked at what boston is doing i haven't even looked at how good he is but reputation wise he's the only one i could think of with you know, size and youth in comparison to Pat Bev, but still the same style of play. Yeah, I, and I just can't imagine if Boston was even ready to trade him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of the heart and soul of the team. If they're ready to trade him, I can't imagine we have the assets to get him. No, I mean, <laughs> so, once again, that's bringing you back to picks because... Well, for sure, picks, but yeah. even more than that, I think they're in a position where they're going to be looking for players to help get them out of the spot they're in. And how do you do that with, um, you know, the guys that were going to be willing to trade, you yeah. know. So I don't want to waste too much time talking about trading for starters because I think the starting lineup is kind of set. As we said earlier, they've been playing well. And, you know, maybe it was only a 20-game blip and they'll come back to earth. They haven't been as good over the past eight games, just the starters as they were uh, before the COVID symptoms. But um, But I think we have to rely on it. We have to plan on that mix and we have to trust the big three to continue to mesh and grow better so let's talk about some names that could have come up you know possibly in the you know if we wanted to trade Beasley with his salary number if we want to trade Torian Prince with his salary number you know what players would come into that range uh, whether or not we feel like we'd have to include a, a protected pick in that in those types of deals whether or not we'd even be willing to do so for a role player um, I think we're both leaning towards no it would be tough to give up even this year's lottery protected pick you know for 
you know, a guy that's going to be coming off the bench unless that player got you significant value into the future and they were a perfect fit. So, um, I don't know any names, what name do you want to start with? What do you want to throw out there? So one guy that I've, that I think it's maybe less gettable now the last couple weeks, maybe than he was earlier in the season is Chris Boucher out of Toronto. Okay. Um, he was a guy that last year was a huge, played a huge role for Toronto this year, started the season, not playing a ton, or not playing a large enough as large a role he did last year. Um, he's in that seven million dollar range. So I was looking at it, I was like, okay, well, if they're not going to use him, I think he's two years left. You know, could we get him for an Okogi and and Jake Lehman? You mm-hmm. know, for two smaller contracts, they can maybe flip one of those two, um, and then they have uh, you know the, the other one to play. You know, for them. Um, and at the very least, they take that money off the books for next year. So that was. One of them. That's kind of all the all the kind of trades that I kind of came up with were not difference makers either. They were the guys that okay, like let's trade her on the margins here, yeah, um, and see if we can get a guy that maybe is kind of falling out of favor, lost a role, um, in his current situation, and maybe we can capitalize on. So, if you're trying to prioritize positions or what roles you're looking for to trade for, what what would you be looking at? I mean, because I think in my mind we need a. We need somebody with size that can help battle down low, and we need to probably need a backup point guard unless things significantly shift. So those would be the two that I'd yeah. be looking at. But what about you? Yeah, I'm looking at a big, and I'm I'm actually oddly looking at a guy who won't hurt you on defense, but is a, a upgrade on offense. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm really looking more at a power forwards even, um, because I think Nas and Nate Knight are enough at center. That if you can get a guy that can just play the four, you know, and you and I were exchanging Texas morning, I, I, even if they just played Nas and Nate Knight more, I just, point guards are a little tricky. So I, here's one other one that I, I kind of came up with um, out of Portland. So I know you've thrown out a couple of the big, the Portland. So one is Larry Nance Jr. The Wolves have obviously had interest before. Yep. I don't think we have any of the pieces that Portland's going to want other than tip for any of their other bigs. The only reason why I think they would get rid of Nance is if they're trying to clear the decks so they can go make a run at somebody to put next to Dame this summer. And so what I was sort of throwing out there is Larry Nance Jr. and Dennis Smith Jr. for Jake Lehman, Josh Okoge, and Jordan McLaughlin. And I have, you know, I wouldn't give up any first in that. Yeah. Uh, but if we had to give up a second or whatever, but that clears 2.3 million from this season. And then it clears Nance's entire 10.6 million next year off the book. So I, they're probably, I don't know what their cap situation. I didn't really do that much homework mm-hmm. on it. Um, they're probably still over the cap, but at least they get, to, they have a, a number of expiring guys. Those other bigs like Nurkic and some of those guys, uh, Covington, they expire this year too. So all yep. those guys come off the books too. So I think they would have enough to go out and make a signing then. Um, so that would be the reason why they would do it for the wolves. They get Nance and then they get Dennis Smith jr. It's just a flyer, a point guard that, um, gotta be at least as good know. as McLaughlin, right? Exactly. And, and, you know, I liked him when he was, when he first came into the league and then he sort of kind of went pear shape on every, the whole bit, but he, uh, you know, he's not in that vein of Patrick Beverly, right? He's more in the, I don't even know what he's, he's not really a guy. We don't really have a guy like him on the current roster. Um, you know, probably the closest to McKinley, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Which we already got, we don't, you know, so and we're not looking to replace or to, back up McKinley Wright. We're looking for somebody better than McKinley Wright to um, kind of fill that backup role. But, mm-hmm. but at least that's the one, one deal where I actually found a big and a point guard. Um, I think Larry Nance Jr. is a clear cut, you know, uh, 
improvement over anybody we have at the four coming off the bench, right. you know, unless you're talking Jaden. But I think we're both in the camp that we want Jaden at the three, um, whether he's starting or on the coming off the bench. His role, until he puts on some weight, is really small forward. Um, and he can play minutes at the four, but really well, I think that's major minutes should be the biggest gap we see in our power forward rotation or in our big man rotation, though, is that we've got Vando next to Cat to try to hold down our rebounding and our our interior presence, especially as a tag man, you know, behind the pick and roll um, on defense. But when Niles comes in, we've got Jaden playing power forward next to him. And if it's not Jaden, it's Torian Prince. We have somebody undersized playing that power forward position. And with Nas being, you know, having almost zero physicality to him and being unwilling to put a body on somebody and just being a negative defender. We need somebody alongside him in that bench unit or even to replace him as a backup center or whatever it happens to be. That's going to be significantly more physical. So that if they do have to play against, you know, maybe they could then play with Jaden as, as a power forward and, and still provide physicality. But yeah, if we had somebody like Larry Nance, I think him and Nas could make a good, front court duel because he's providing more size and you said like you said it moves Jaden to the small forward position um Roko and Nurkic are both are both guys that would fit into there you know all three of those guys are right around 10 million dollars a year um so they could all fit well, into what's the motivation right for Portland, for Portland I you know I, I don't know I'm they're looking probably looking for picks at that point which we've both said we don't really want to do. You know, they, yeah, they I wouldn't fit give in, up picks for those guys they would fit into the Torian Prince number if you just wanted to to trade our front court guy for one of theirs but in order to do that you will need to include a pick so um so i think that's the tough part with portland and if you're going to start looking at at bigs um you've got other options you've got a guy like montrez harrell uh who is rumored to be available now i think we've seen him destroy us enough times that i think everybody's going to be slightly intrigued by by a guy like him um once again that's going to take a pick because he's an expiring contract and then it's going to take a contract renegotiation so i think there's plenty of danger in that um even though he's got a, a 25 PER this year and he's he's killing it. You know, somebody that is offensive, like you said, and could you know get a bucket as well as pull down all the rebounds necessary next to Nas, I think he'd be a great fit, at least in terms for the rest of the season. But um, I don't know if, if there's a trade package that makes sense in terms of where this team is at to, to start giving up future assets for a guy like Harrell at his age with you know, you know needing a negotiation. The only other one that I, I feel like I'm a bigger fan of than um, a lot of Wolves fans is uh, Rashawn Holmes in Sacramento. I know they've got a lot of bigs. That, you know, it, it, people, especially when they look at Sacramento, they look at Harrison Barnes um, as a guy that is a, a steady veteran, can play either the three or the four. Um, isn't that a huge contract number? Um, but I've been a fan of Holmes for the past few years. He got a, a good but not great contract from them uh, recently. So after this year, he's got three years left at $10 million a year, um, which I think is for any team, if, if you can make that, you can you can fit that in. You can build around that. That's not a number that's going to kill anybody. Um, his his rim running and his rebounding, I think, would be great fits on this team. I think he's a would be a good physical presence, and I also think he'd accept his role. So he's he's the one guy that I found that I'm actually uh, more of a fan of than it's, than seems to be uh, consensus out there. And if I were to just give up. You know, if this team is really looking like we're going to be a playoff team this year, you know, come the trade deadline, and it was we're going to give up a lottery protected pick, um, and we just end up having to give up this upcoming year's pick to do so, I think he'd be a really great fit in terms of our rotation and what he provides. Um, I know he has other fans out there, but uh, it it does feel like a lot to give up any type of a first round pick for a guy like Rashawn Holmes. But that's that's really all I've Which come is- up with. 
Yeah, and I think they probably that's what I don't know what the motivation would be to for the other guys we can offer them, you know, why they would do that either. So I mean, they're, I they're like getting four, well. four years of a contract down to one. And, you know, hopefully in Sacramento with the way they've been playing, you know, sitting in that 11th spot right now. Um, they're, you know, seriously considering just moving on from any long-term contracts and kind of starting over. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. And so that one's tough, I think, for us to be able to make work. Um, you know, the other one I thought of, and, I, you know, I don't know how – easy it would be to pull off now but so new york is one of those teams that's rumored to be after darren fox and you know making a splash some mm-hmm. some big name player and they need to clear some caps so I, I go back to the guy i always bring up is nerland's noel right um because i think he is a good defender again that kind of goes in the flies in the face of what i just said about why i was looking at like larry nance or, or the type of guy i'm looking for i'm looking for an offensive because we just need some offense on the on the bench but we also need we, we kind of need defense on the bench, too. <laughs> Nas <laughs> provides offense, but he's so bad defensively. We need enough, uh, a competent enough offensive player yeah. who's a great defensive player, or we need a good enough defensive player that's competent on offense. And I think Noel might fit that role. But in that trade, what I was one of the scenarios I came up with, a couple of them, was uh, Nerlens Noel for, you know, we trade Torian Prince, so that can help them get uh, expiring. It would be a three way trade. Uh, the Knicks get De'Aaron Fox. The Kings would get Torian Prince, Alec Burks, and Emmanuel Quickly, plus picks from New York. And the Wolves would get Nerlens Noel and Cam Reddish, mm-hmm. which I'm not exactly sure how. I think the Reddish, because he just got traded there, would have to be a one-for-one deal, which I think can still work. I don't know exactly how it works. On the trade machine, it said it was it was uh, all kosher. So um, we'll just go by that. But, uh, again, that would be like a home-run deal for the Wolves, I think, if yeah. they could pull that off. You know, Noel's eight million dollars, and I I don't recall what Reddish is at. He's six or seven million, I think, right now. Um, who he'd be coming up for a contract in a year or two as well. But he's another guy I've talked about wanting for a long time. And all of a sudden, you have two really quality players that you can add to your bench, or you know, one of the, you know maybe Reddish ends up making a push to start and helps get Beverly back to the bench, and Ant slides to the two, and you know, um, who knows? So that gives you some situations, and then. One other just kind of guy I think is super gettable would be Derek Favors. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in Oklahoma City. They're not going anywhere with him. Right. He's not part of the long-term future. He's a $9 million deal. Um, if if the Wolves are looking to – like that could be a deal where they, they flip Torian Prince at the deadline, bring in Favors. They have two years of Favors at $9 million. It, it saves them $4 million off the book. That, that kind of maybe helps foster some other deals, keeps them below the – the luxury tax and gets them a big who, you know, you and I used to both be really high on favors when he was in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those days are, are gone, but I still think he's, he's at more, he's, he'd be kind of like a Greg Monroe type in the sense that he would come in and, and immediately look more competent than Nas or Knight or some of those guys do right now against other veterans. Um, so that's about all I came up with in terms of like those margin type players. Yeah, the the last thing I really came up with was if we're just trying to look for moving money around to be to be using our money in a better way, but not in a way that's going to be a long term impact or um, really necessarily not be a huge move, needle mover, but uh, you know turn the the Beasley and Prince deals into something that we feel feel like could actually fill the role, what at least one of the roles that they were intended to to serve. Um, 
one of the guys that we're actually playing against right now, you know, tonight is Daniel Gallinari. He's got two years left at about $20 million a year. So you'd probably need to include, you know, include Beasley in that deal. Um, or, you know, like we said, a, a Prince and a, a Kogi, you know, or something along those lines to bring him in. Um, I don't think he'd significantly, uh, you know, upset your cap moving forward uh, at that $20 million year number. And I think he could be a veteran to just fill that role that, you know, preseason we expected Prince to be filling, um, to be able to hit the shots, to provide some, I mean, he's got good size. He, he just never had the athleticism. He's huge. But, yeah. um, but I think he would fill a good role. I think he'd improve this team this year. So um, he'd be a good guy to, to see on the roster. Like I said, I wouldn't throw in any extra assets because I don't think no. he's a long-term answer in any, in any way. But if he'd be a guy that I'd just be looking at for a team that, you know, that back when the Twins traded for Shannon Stewart at the, the trade deadline, just kind well, of a, way back. Yeah, right. We're just trying to make one move to to take this team and push them from a, you know, seven seed to a five seed. He'd be a name that I'd throw in there. Um, I don't know exactly how the, the numbers work, what else they'd, they'd be willing to throw in. Um, they've got some guys at different numbers, but nobody. Well, and they're struggling right now. So they might be a team that might right. be more willing to do something just to. And didn't, didn't Torrey and Prince have a stint in he Atlanta did. as yeah. well? So they might, you know. They might have a relationship with him. Um, if he can continue. I mean, he's been. Not good. I wouldn't use the word good, but he's been slightly better um, the last few games. He's actually been able to be a little bit dependable off yeah. the bench. And I'm not even mad at him either because kind of like similar to what I said about Jaden is his role, like a couple of the guys on the team. And I don't, I, I'm not even, I'm not really blaming anybody. I don't think it's anybody's fault because I think Finch is trying to figure out, like he, he had a lot to figure out. He, he only had half a season last year. He's got new guys on the team this year. He's mm-hmm. trying to fi- figure out the serves. I think he's finally figured that out. Now he's trying to figure out He's implemented this defense that's been way better than anybody, at least fans and media, anticipated. And now he's like got to try to solve the the riddle of this half court offense, and he's he's trying to work through that. But so he's got some players who are just kind of, you know, treading water right now because their their roles are so up in the air every from game to game. It changes, and and Prince is like like Jaden in that case where, you know, one one night he might play 20, 25 minutes. Um, yep. Well, Kogi's another one. I would say Jaden. Kogi, Torian Prince, um, you know, are really the the main guys. Jalen Noel up until recently, and now I think Noel has kind of broken through, and he's got his sort of defined role. Um, similar to Vanderbilt as well. I mean, Vanderbilt had his his role, but he's he's grown that role now, so he's got a little bit more where he's actually adding on offense instead of taking away from offense with his cuts and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, those other guys, like I, it's hard to be mad at Okogi or Jaden or Prince because they're just like they're doing, they're doing their job for what they're being asked. I mean, you know, is Jaden hitting or Torian Prince even hitting all the threes that you want him to hit? No, but that's not even like their primary skill. I mean, I think Prince maybe a little bit more so than yeah. Jaden is what you you expect him to hit a little bit more. But you know, Jaden's not you know PJ Tucker. He's not a spot up shooter. He's you know, and but that's where we're sort of using him right now. And so until they kind of figure out these guys, give these guys a little bit more freedom in the offense to be able to do more then I think it's easier to judge them. So other teams might see that the same way and say, hey, yeah, we can, we can use Prince for what he – like our system allows for us to use Prince the way Prince can thrive. And Atlanta would be one of those teams that might know how to utilize them better than maybe what the Wolves are doing now just because they've had him before. But, I mean, I like Gallo. I, you know, he, he, I think that's a good, good one as well. I mean, he's one of the few guys that are in that $20 million range mm-hmm. that I'd be willing to take on his salary – because I also think it's realistic that you can get them without giving up a pick. Right. Um, 
Whereas Miles Turner, I don't think you can get him for $20 million in salary. I think you have to give up pick or two as well. And I, I, you know, two months ago, I probably would have said yes. Now, seeing what the Wolves can be, I, I don't see him being worth two first, future first round picks in addition to some expiring salaries to get him. Yeah, and any of those big name guys, the guys that have been fringe all stars, him, Jeremy Grant. I think the biggest, the biggest worry. I mean, especially with you know, Grant has come out and said he doesn't want to go to any team that's not going to use him as a primary, you know, offensive ball handler, a primary scorer on their in their offense. So, which is like, I like Jeremy Grant, but yeah, all right, good luck. Who's going to do? Nobody's going to do that, right? Yeah. You know, you're go to, go to Houston, team. whatever yeah. happens. Like, yeah, so you're on Detroit. You're going to stay there if you're not willing to play for anybody else. You're just going to be on a bad team. So, um. So I mean, that's the risk. I mean, Turner has had similar quotes. He said he's not being utilized in in, in the best way in at least in he, Indiana. With him, you can see where we could maybe carve out a bigger role for him here than what slightly. He had in Indiana. But we have such a high usage rate out of our big three; it would be hard to promise him anything significantly larger than what he's getting now. So I mean, like those big name guys. That's the hard part. If you're going to make a big move move for them, they're going to need to be okay being at least the fourth option in an offense. And I don't know many of them are. So yeah, I think we've had some, you know, some options here. Um, some guys that we would take a look at, you know, maybe swinging a deal for, but um, ultimately the, it's a confusing team. My, my prediction at the beginning of the season was that they would finish 40 and 42 because I, my, I estimated that that would create the most, uh, the most disagreement and the most chaos in the off season between Wolves fans, not knowing uh, what direction this team should actually go. Um, but and they seem to be uh, basically right on track for that. So, uh, Chad, any parting thoughts as we kick off uh, season three of Howl History? No, it's uh, it's good to get back. I mean, it's distracting watching them play right now <laughs> <laughs> because it's kind of a fun game. It looks like I can't you, we don't have the volume on, so can't hear it. So, right, I'm um, kind of looking forward to just you know this next stretch of games is tough. Like we have a, a kind of a tough. I don't know, before the Golden State game, like the next 14 games, like 10 or 11 of them were yeah. 500 or above teams. And now we're uh, we're in the thick of that now. And all of a sudden, like we've done well so at the beginning, the first you know third of this, this stretch. So it'd be interesting to see in by the next time we talk, you know, are they above 500? You know, because uh, I think that'd be a pretty remarkable achievement considering it's a little bit tougher group of games in the last 10 or 12 games were it is we'd like to see the team make a step and since this is how history i think we've revisited a little bit uh what our, our pattern is going to be for taking a look at the his- history of the timberwolves we're not really going to go chronologically anymore there are a lot of drag seasons to start looking through but uh we're, we're going to bring it back we're going to talk about favorite role players we're going to talk about s- significant mof- moments in the, in the team's history uh just kind of do one-offs you know pick and choose where we want to look at but bring it back talk about some of our favorite players and and, t- and events uh more often so we'll do that more here in season three thank you so much for coming back with us we look forward to uh putting out more episodes and we'll see you next time see you man have a good week